Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our SoCal location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services. Amen. Good morning. What's up, you guys? Welcome to Hope. My name is Danny, and uh, I am excited today. Hey, happy Father's Day to the rad dads out there. Good to see you guys. Yeah. Boy, there's nothing like that brings up my need for God like being a dad. I'm like, man, I got to learn. I got to grow. I want to be more like my Heavenly Father. Um, But hey, shout out to those that are watching online today. We're glad to have you with us. My mom and dad are probably watching. Happy Father's Day, Dad. I haven't texted you yet, but I will. Um, but um, And then we've got the people on the patio outside. Welcome. If you're out there on the patio, we're glad to have you outdoors joining us today. Um, if it's your first time, we're so glad you're with us. We're so, we want you to feel so welcome here. In fact, we want to give you a free gift by stopping by the table. Just a thank you for coming and, and uh, welcome you to the family. Um, again, my name is Danny, and I'm the lead pastor of Hope Church and the Coastlands. And uh, we started Hope 11 years ago. We started making pancakes on the beach. And then we started in our living room at Pleasure Point. And you never, you never forget the people that encourage you along the way. Amen? Who's here ever had people that have encouraged you along the way, especially when you need it the most? And we were newly church planners. We didn't know what we were doing. And um, God brought in um, a couple that came alongside us. They were doing church planner boot camp. And so Jody and her husband, Eric, um, and he passed away in 2016, and it was really hard for me, and I can only imagine for their family. Um, But they were people that came alongside and encouraged me. And I've been wanting to have Jody speak here for a long time. And here's a cool full story story real quick for you guys. So they were encouraging us when we were planting hope. So you got to benefit from that by this this church wouldn't be in existence if it wasn't for that. But they, uh, Jody was from here. No? You lived here, though. Didn't you come? No? You just went to the coastlands. Well, that's what I'm saying. You, you went to the coastlands is what I'm saying. And then you helped plant the Santa Clara Church. And then you and Eric planted the church in, in Salt Lake City. And they planted about 20 churches out of their church. Right? It's pretty cool. We're studying the book of Acts right now, and the, the church in the book of Acts, it's not about seeding capacity, it's about sending capacity, amen? And we want to be a church that's known for our sending our best. And so um, I've asked Jody to come and share her story with us today, and so I know you're going to be encouraged. Can we give a warm welcome for Jody Henry? Thanks, Jody. Yeah, you know, you're not supposed to have favorites, but... If I were to have favorites, Danny, Danny would be among them for sure. Um, hi, I'm Jody. I, I like interaction, so please don't be shy. Um, I am really super stoked to be here. This is like a dream come true. I have loved Danny and Jenny um, ever since I first met them, and we'll kind of get into that in a little bit. But I just wanted to um, share my story with you. How many of you like a good story? Yeah. Do you prefer your stories in book form or do you prefer going to a movie and getting a big old bucket of popcorn or do you prefer just staying home and watching it 
on Netflix. How many, how many like the book form? Okay, there's a couple readers here. How many like to go to the theater? That's like your jam. Okay, popcorn, yeah. I guess you can do that at home too, I don't know. But how many of you like to just stay home and just chill at home? Okay, well, you're going to chill at church today, so let's just imagine that I'm going to be sharing this movie with you. Um, I'm going to ask the tech guys to give you, a, to show you a couple of pictures of my life currently. Um, the first one, this is my firstborn son and his beautiful wife. His name is Caleb. Her name is Adelphi, which means fellowship. And that's their five-year-old daughter. She is literally the smartest five-year-old girl in the universe. And I'm not biased. Okay, next we have... My second son, that's Joshua, and his beautiful wife, Rebecca, and he is a super gifted musician and um, all-around crazy guy. Okay, and the next one, this is my daughter, Rachel, and her husband, Arthur. Interesting story. If you follow uh, Utah history at all, you know that there are a lot of polygamists in Utah. Not, my daughter's not, not one of many wives, but... <laughs> But in Utah, there are literally, I would say probably in our church, I would say probably between 10 and 20% of the people that go to the church right now, we call them pliglets. So polygamists, they, they call them plagues. They call themselves pliglets. So they're children of polygamists, but they don't have like multiple spouses. Arthur is the great nephew of Warren Jeffs, who is the polygamist leader. He, they were in the news. So we make a lot of polygamist jokes in my family. So that is Rachel and Arthur, both gifted musicians as well. That's their oldest, Jackson. He's very scary, as you can see. He's five. That is Selah. She, I have to tell you a story. Okay, so th those bears, she has this weird quirk when she sleeps. She, she like defers her stuffed animals. So that's the before and after right there. That's Selah. She's three. And then the next one, that's Elena. She's one. Okay, and next, this is my youngest daughter, Rebecca, who's joining me here. So stand up and wave and say hi. <laughs> Okay, and then this is my sweet daddy who passed away a year ago, um, and that's him with Rebecca. He was literally the sweetest human being on the planet, so, and that's my house. So I have an Airbnb in my backyard. My last name is Van Ree. I call it my Van Resort, so you're all welcome to come and stay, have a party. Let's have a Coastlands reunion. So anyway, that's kind of my my family, that's my tribe and my clan and my life. And um, as Danny mentioned, my husband passed away six years ago unexpectedly, and that's kind of part of my story. I'll weave into that part. But I'll back up. Um, so I grew up in a small town in Minnesota, and um, I met, I went on a choir tour, and I met a Swedish guy named Sven, of course, because it's a law. And um, so I dated him, and then he ended up coming from Sweden to California, to the Bay Area, which is how I ended up in the Bay Area during the boom in the late 80s. The, anybody remember that? Were any of you actually born? Okay. <laughs> so some of you remember. Um, so that was when I moved here, was during the, the tech, the burgeoning of the tech industry. And um, so at the time, I was really, really torn. I was... Um, 
I had gone to college. I was very, very immoral, um, very promiscuous. I drank a, a lot of alcohol, and I was um, I dealt drugs. I was a pothead. Um, and when I say that, I don't mean like occasionally. It was like constantly. Um, and But on the outside, I kind of presented this picture of having it all together, but I was a bulimic, and I was a mess. I was a broken, traumatized mess. And so I kind of started this journey to decide, you know, well, what is the meaning of life? Well, after I graduated from college, I ended up um, going on this choir tour, and with two days to go in the tour, it was a six-week tour, I ended up in the hospital with meningitis. And I knew that I was dying. I could tell that I was dying. And I was laying in bed, and I cried out, and I said, God, if you let me live, I will serve you. Well, then, Sven kind of, he moved me from that plan. And so I became obsessed with him. So then we both ended up moving to the Bay Area. And, I, and that was when the spiritual battle really began in my life. And I began to wrestle with, do I want to serve God, or do I want to be in the world? And I, because I couldn't reconcile both. And ultimately, um, I ended up, I backpacked for nine months. I was in Europe backpacking by myself. Don't, I don't recommend that, telling my daughter this. I do not recommend that. Um, I backpacked looking for the meaning of life. Well, after nine months, I came back to the Bay Area, and I got on my knees, and Jesus revealed himself to me. And I was changed. I like to say that I got I became a Christian on the installment plan because it took like several, several installments for me to finally get to that point. But at that point, that was when my life changed. I started working at Berean Christian Store, and some guys walked in one day. They were really cool. They were surfers, and I was really drawn to them, and they invited me to come to a church. It was a brand new church called the Coastlands. So I was living in San Jose, so then I started coming to the coastlands. Well, the very first Sunday that I was at the coastlands, Daniel Brown, who was the planting pastor at the time, announced that they were going to plant a church in San Jose. And so he said, I would like you to pray about it and ask the Holy Spirit to show you if you're supposed to be part of this or not. So I began to pray. Now, I had just come to Christ. I was a very, very new Christian. And I didn't know a lot of scriptures, but the scripture that the Lord gave me, it's a really common one. You guys, you guys might even be able to quote it, but it's Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. Now, this scripture is really common. You know, you see it like people put it up in their bathrooms and, you know, it's, it's a pretty common scripture because it's such a sweet promise. And what Jeremiah 29, 11 says is, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And now a lot of scholars will say, oh, well, you need to understand the context and who they're talking to and everything. Yes, you do. I agree. You should always read the Bible in context. But this is, this is a, a statement about the character of God. This is what is in the heart of our compassionate God for us is to bless us and to keep us and to let his face shine on us, to be gracious to us, to lift up his face upon us, to, sh to look upon us with favor and to give us peace. These are the promises of God. Anybody up for that? Yeah, yeah. Right? 
especially after what we've been through as a nation and as a, as a globe, you know there's a lot of hopelessness. This particular scripture really, really spoke to me. I mean, and then it goes on and it says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I'll listen to you. You'll seek me and you'll find me if you seek me with all of your heart. And I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I want you to keep this scripture in mind as I, as I continue to share my story because I, can, I go back to this. I go back to this passage a lot. So I was at this church plant we started in San Jose. We started meeting over there. This is back um, in the 80s, as I mentioned. And my brother, who was a cocaine addict, he became a Christian. He got thrown in jail for writing bad checks. Anybody remember checks? My brother wrote some bad checks, and he was in jail, and he found like this little Bible tract, and he became a Christian. And then he hitchhiked out to California and moved in with me, started working at a place called Guitar Center which is a place for musicians. Um, and he would come home every day and tell me about this hilarious guy named Eric. And then he would you know, start in with his Eric stories. Can you show the picture of the guy with the, with the mullet? Mullets were very popular back then. They actually were cool. I know that they're making a resurgence. So, OK, this is Eric when I first met him. That is not our baby, that is our pastor's baby. Um, but when I met him, the very first time that I met him, he was a cocaine dealer, a huge cocaine dealer, who got busted, and he made the, the front page of the San Jose Mercury News. He was a pro soccer player who had gotten injured, and so he didn't know how to make money, so he started to deal coke. So when I first met him, he was working at Guitar Center because his girlfriend said, you need to stop dealing drugs. And so he started working at Guitar Center with my brother. Well, I walked in, and he looked at me, and he told my brother after I left, he said, I've decided I'm going to marry your sister. And my brother's like, mm, I don't know. I'm not, I don't think she would date a guy like you. And he's like, well, why not? And he goes, well, because she's a Christian. He goes, ugh. Not one of those born-again kind. And my brother goes, well, that's kind of the only kind there is. And so um, he prophesied that he was going to marry me. Well, shortly after that, he asked me out, and I said, mm, I'm probably not like your typical date. Like, I'm into, like, the Bible and going to church and praying and stuff. And he's like, huh. He goes, well, I, I want to check it out. Fast forward, I was able to lead him to Christ to a radical transformation. We called him Eric of Tarsus because he used to persecute the Christians. And he came to Christ in a radical, radical way. Like he's one of those stories where it is, he's walking this way and all of a sudden, 180 degree turnaround. He began sharing Jesus with literally everybody he ever met. He would figure out a way to do that. So anyway, we were at the coastlands over in the Bay Area. And after about, um, well, after nine months, we ended up getting married and then 12 years later, the Holy Spirit started to kind of stir in us that it was time for us to move. And so um, here we are at this church plant, and God put it in our hearts that we needed to plant a church too, which we never wanted to do, I'll just say. We wanted to be missionaries. We wanted to go to like Indonesia or, you know, some exotic place. But the Holy Spirit said, no, you're going to plant a church and so um, we, we went to our leadership team, and I prayed at the end of the night, and I said, 
Jesus, please don't send us to Salt Lake City. <laughs> the next day, we went and met with Robbie Booth, who was our district supervisor at the time. And Robbie leaned across his desk, and he said, are you willing to go anywhere? And we're like, yeah, of course, anywhere. Having forgotten about my prayer the night before, guess where Robbie said we were going to go? You guys know the story? <laughs> but I was wrong, and I will say that. The very first time we visited Salt Lake City, I was overwhelmed with the goodness of God, and I continue to be overwhelmed with the goodness of God. And anyway, so we moved to Salt Lake City in 1999. There were three families that moved with us. We didn't invite anybody to come with us. We just said, Lord, put it on their hearts if they're supposed to join us. And the Lord gave us the names of four families. Three of them came with us initially, and then the other one joined a year later. So we planted what we called the Adventure Church. Note to self, never name your church the Adventure, because the implications of it are rough. It was an adventure. It was a big adventure. I'm actually, I'm writing a book called Adventures in Utah. I'm going to tell a lot of the different stories. It's a really, really interesting place to plant a church. As you know, do any of you know anything about Utah? There's a lot of people there from the Church of, La of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And so we're coming in, and we're not LDS. We're Christian. So we planted the Adventure Church, and um, the church just began to grow and grow and grow. And it became quite large. It was actually, in U by Utah standards, it was a, a megachurch. Well, we had it in our hearts to plant churches, so that's what we did. We were planting churches. And then we became part of what's called the Church Planters Boot Camp, as Danny mentioned. Could, oh, this is, yeah, Eric, and oh, you can back that up for a minute. We, um, can you back it up? Sorry. That, that was, um, we, we played uh, for this huge party for Apple Computer at the Fairmont Hotel. We had two pianos, like one, he had a black one, or a white one, and I had a black one, and they were backed up to each other, and it was really fun. But anyway, um, so then the next picture, this is, it's kind of dark, but that is your pastor Danny sitting right there under the cup, just down there. He looks pretty bored. Um, <laughs> I don't think Jenny came to that one, but that was when Eric and I first met Danny. And we were so, so excited to see what God was going to do in Danny's life because we saw the passion. And I asked him at one point, so if someone gave you a million dollars, what would you do? And guess what, he, guess what he said? He came up with this whole vision of building a church with a skate park or skating ramp and all of the things that we're now seeing. It was so amazing. It was absolutely amazing. But this was all just what was in Danny's heart. This is back in 2013, April of 2013. So April of 2014, I went to Israel with a group of women, and I had a, a life coach. And she started asking me, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? How many of you know that the Holy Spirit still speaks to us today? Yeah? Yeah. Anyway, I said, I don't want to tell you what I think. And she said, well, why not? And I said, I don't like the implications. She said, well, what is the Lord saying to you? And I said, he's saying that I'm going to be the pastor of the adventure. At the time, I was the worship pastor. He said, you're going to be the pastor of the adventure church. 
And I said, but I don't like that because what does that mean? Is my husband going to die? This is 2014. Well, I, I knew I'd heard from the Lord, and I thought, I'm not going to do one single thing to make this happen. So I just tucked it away in my heart and said, Lord, if this is your will, you're going to have to reveal it to my husband. Because I knew that if I told him, he would just go full bun, uh, guns, buns a-glazing. Um, <laughs> guns a-blazing. <laughs> buns a-glazing. Okay, anyway, um, so I knew he would just take that thing and run with it. So I just, I just thought, I'm just going to pray about this. If this is God's will, he has to make this happen. Exactly one year later, in June of 2015, my husband had been going over. We had planted several churches in the Philippines. We, we planted 12 churches in the Philippines. All glory to God. It has nothing to do with us. But um, we just said yes. Eric was going over there. He was speaking at these like national uh, Filipino pastors, Foursquare pastors conferences. He was going to Taiwan. He had met a filmmaker over there. They started their own film company. He was really excited about things global. And, and then, you know, he just, he couldn't do the, like the local church anymore. He was just kind of, he was over that, you know. And so he came to and the president of his company, and they said, we believe the Lord is saying you're supposed to pastor the Adventure Church. One year later. So fast forward to January of 2016. I was installed as the senior pastor. My husband was a co-pastor, teaching pastor, consulting pastor. Six weeks later, he had an aortic aneurysm and passed away unexpectedly. Now what that did to our church was horrific. It was like someone threw a hand grenade into our church. And those of us who were closest to it got hurt the most, obviously. But as I mentioned, you know, we had this very large church, and people started leaving by the hundreds. By the hundreds, I'm not even kidding. And we were so traumatized. And many of the people, when they left, they left not in a sweet way. You know, they left in a very ugly way, and it was so, so hurtful and so traumatic. So that was back in 2016. So we were just kind of trying to keep our heads above water, and finally, things started to kind of, kind of calm down a little bit. Things started to look like they were going to go back to normal, whatever that was. And then guess what happened? 2020? Anybody remember Anybody remember what happened in 2020? Do you remember your state of mind in January of 2020? Yeah, 2020, a year of vision, yeah. And we had our 20th anniversary celebration. It was epic. It was so much fun. And then COVID hit. Once again, it was like someone lobbed another hand grenade into our church. And it was just, it was horrific. I mean, you guys know. You get it, right? One of my other life verses... It's another really common one, but I think that you know it, and this is the one that I want to encourage you with today because I believe this is what the Holy Spirit is saying, that no matter what is happening in your life right now, 
you can still trust the one who knows the plans that he has for you, plans to prosper you, plans to bless you, plans to give you a hope. You know, you can live 40 days without food, three days without water, but not one second without hope. I love that you named this church Hope. I love that. Because isn't that what people need? Isn't it what we need? But the, the Bible says in Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord. Do you know what rejoice means? To celebrate, to praise, to go back and remember why you can be happy. Because the Bible says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. We can go back, no matter what's happening in our lives, no matter what is going on in our lives. And I am standing here as a testimony of that. I'm telling you, it is possible. It is possible when you make him your all in all. When you make Jesus your life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, because we need to hear it again. Rejoice. It says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, the peace that we all yearn for, the peace of God that transcends understanding, it goes beyond comprehension, it will guide your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Amen? And this is the verse that has kept me going, this passage. This is one of my life verses. It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How am I doing on time? Am I, do I need to hurry it up? Okay. So anyway, so here we are now in this situation with trying to figure everything out after COVID as you are. But I can tell you, I start every day, every day in the presence of Jesus and I can honestly tell you, without that, I could not be standing here. I would not be standing here. And I'm not saying this in any kind of a legalistic way. I'm not trying to put any yoke of slavery on you, no burden on you. I am saying that when you start your day in the presence of the one who created you to love you, it changes everything. My daughter and I, we were joking about it yesterday, about how, like, the days that I don't start out with the Lord or that she doesn't start out with the Lord, it's like there's a personality morph. It's like, who is this person, this fleshly person? I just want to encourage you, make him your everything. You will not find satisfaction. You will not find fulfillment in anything but the presence of the one who created you and loves you and saves you. Amen. So let's go back to the question. What would you do if someone gave you a million dollars? Now, this is not to just buy yourself a Lamborghini. This is for purposes of ministry. I got to tell you this story. Check this out. Do you see the amount there? This is for real. The story is I was on my way. This is 18 months after my husband passed away. I was on my way to church, and I was resigning to Jesus. I was like, I don't need this. I'm done. I'm going to go to Walmart. I'm going to be a greeter. I would love that job. And, and I was just done. And I had my, um, my AirPods in, and I was listening, and I was 
listening to Psalm 86, and it says, show us a sign of your favor that our enemies get and be put to shame, for you, O Lord, have helped and comforted me. And suddenly, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but when you read something in the Bible and it's a bold print or it just suddenly it just becomes life itself, that's what happened with that particular verse. And suddenly it was like something broke in me. And then I kept listening, and then I came to Psalm 90. And it says, give us gladness in proportion to our former misery. Replace the evil days with good, or evil years with good. Let us, your servants, see you work again, and let our children see your glory. And may the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts successful. Yes, Lord, make our efforts successful. And then I got to church, and a woman handed me an envelope. Remember, show us a sign of your favor. Now, it's not about the money, but you know what it's about? The extravagance of God, the immediacy of God, the goodness of God, and the kindness of God. That he gave us a million dollars for ministry. He knew we were going to go into COVID. He knew hundreds and hundreds of people were going to leave the church. He knew what we needed. But he also knew what I needed, and that was hope. I don't put my hope in the money, but I I put my hope in the God who can provide for all of our needs according to his riches in glory through Christ Jesus. Amen. We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find a home please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers and donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the Give option on our website or text any amount to 831-800-2060. Thanks again for tuning in.